All right, pray with me and for me and for yourselves. Father, would you help us to know and love and just unpack your word to us, how good it is that you have spoken to us. We are so thankful that you are a God who speaks and is there. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray you would meet us with your words, that you would heal us, that you would bind us to yourself, that we would be hidden with Christ in you, God our Father. Lord, we need peace. We look around our lives and the world. We need peace. We hear the voices sometimes that would tear us down. We know the fleeting nature of our feelings. We need your peace. So would you do that now? Amen. Let's practice. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And just to make it extra awkward, peace be with you. And also with you. Uh, So when we gather, restate, as we are gathered into the love of God the Father through the gracious call of Christ Jesus our Lord, we are gathered not merely to sit and soak, but to exercise, to practice the very things that we need to know and do so that we can be those who are sent, John chapter 20 as we just read, sent into Santa Fe. That's why we're in a series now called Rhythms of Grace. We're actually walking through the elements of our service. That might seem weird. We're not doing it to prove a point. We're doing it because all all these things we do, singing, preaching, praying, hearing and reading the Word of God, and passing the peace, they're not there by accident. they're, They're there because as we are the gathered ones, we are gathered to be reshaped, and reformed into the image of Christ as we go through these motions. So I want you to think of the service or the liturgy like divine jazz. Divine jazz. That's what we're doing here. And you're in the band. Divine jazz and you're in the band. Call and response. The Lord calls us into worship. We Respond, And at the end of our service, he calls us out of the worship and we respond. We pass the peace to remind one another that we have peace with God and with each other. And then we leave to go on and pass that very peace to those around us. So if you're visiting with us this morning, I know this can seem a little bit strange to be walking through these things, but I think it's really important for those of us who love Jesus not to to check our brains at the door. We need to know what we believe and why, and why we're doing the things that we're doing in this place. God has gathered you here to have peace. It's a gift of God. Peace is the gift of the sovereign God of the universe to you. It is objective outside of you, proclaimed over you. It is your Father saying unto you, you have a new name. It's not how you're feeling about yourself right now. 
It's not how you're feeling about your relationships and the challenges they're in. Or your bank account. Or the news. Peace is the gift of God for his people. So let's begin with a question. When have you recently felt peace? When have you recently felt peace in your life? Or perhaps you can think of a recent example when you were feeling peaceful and it was, it was robbed from you. The other night I was hanging out with my kiddos and we had just had, we cooked up two boxes. So we went all in, two boxes of mac and cheese. So they were in like the, mac, the post mac and cheese coma of carbs and cheese and goodness. And we're sitting there on the couch and we've got, you know, over the rinds, spinning on the vinyl and hanging out with the kiddos and they're deep into reading these cool little graphic novel books that they have and the dog's quiet, sitting there cute on the floor and I just thought to myself, ah, this is peaceful. I look around, I'm like, I got a lot to do. It's a Christmas tree still up. Whose fault is that? <laughs> Who left that Christmas tree there? I got a lot on my list, but just for a moment, just for a sweet moment, like, ah, oh, peace. So do we have peace? Because as wonderful as those moments are, they come and they go. They're good. We should pursue them, but they're no foundation for, for peace. So we, do we have peace? And the second question that we need to tease out this morning as we talk about passing the peace of Christ is, do we know what this peace is? And how do we know it? We know it as we receive it, and we know it as we release it unto others. Recently, Caitlin and I were coming back from a trip to Los Angeles. It was a very large city. Santa Fe, and I was a little bit triggered by uh, the traffic. We were at a conference, 90,000 people at this music conference, this trade show. More, so more people at the conference than live in my whole city. Weird. A little overstimulated. But, you know, we're, we're back uh, in the L.A. airport on the flip side of our trip, and LAX is its own very special place if you've been there recently. And all of a sudden, these two young girls walked up and they started talking to each other. Mile a minute, 300 miles an hour. They were probably 14, 15 years old. And whenever I'm in an airport, which is always amazing people watching, I'm always wondering like, oh, where are these folks from? Like, what language are they speaking? So I'm, you know, it's loud in the airport, noises and beeps, and we're waiting for a shuttle. But I'm kind of trying to lean in. I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't really know that I recognize that language. So I finally leaned over to Caitlin. I go, what language are these little girls speaking? She goes, honey, that's English. <laughs> it's just teenage girl English is what it is. And I'm like, how am I sitting here listening to the English and I don't even know my own language when I'm hearing it spoken by these young 15-year-old aliens in the airport? <laughs> so not only do we have peace, but do we, do we know it? Would we know it if it if we heard it, Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, I love these words, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So the good news to us this morning is, fear not. The answers to these questions, Jesus came to give us peace. And he came to give us peace not only to possess, but to pass. He came to give us enough peace so that we, we have enough to pass out when we leave. 
And that's why the passing of the peace is indeed a rhythm of grace. We receive the peace of God. That's why we're gathered here every Sunday. Not just to get a list of things you need to improve on. Not just for five steps to a better marriage. And that stuff's important, right? We need lists. We need stuff to do. Don't get me wrong. We need to be practical. But every week we are gathered to receive the promises of Christ, the peace of Christ. And we are reshaped, as I said, reformed, strengthened, practicing, so that we can do the exercise of releasing that peace, His peace, when we leave. So those are our two points this morning. Receive the peace of Christ and release the peace of Christ. First of all, we, we need to receive the peace of Christ. Before we can pass anything, uh, we, we must first possess it. We must have it. We must know it. And that's why we begin the passing of the peace with these words. It's a declaration. Have you thought of it like this? When you say it to someone, when you shake a clammy little hand like mine, you're, you're proclaiming the mo- it over them. Peace be with you. It is. Why do we need this peace? Well, I think we can all think of a lot of, of reasons of why the world we live in right now desperately needs the peace of God, which is also bound up in the justice of God. But two things I think that are meaningful for us this morning from the text. The first is we, we need this peace because of our weakness. And we are weak. Man, I want to confess to you guys, every week when I preach on something, that's what the Lord works on me with that week. Thanks a lot. So if I'm going to be talking about peace this week, you know what? There's going to be stuff that comes up into my life that attempts to derail that peace. And it, honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. It can be a place of shame sometimes, just how easy it is for me to be derailed by what other people think about me, by what I think about myself. And then what do you do? You overreact and swing the pendulum and like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Get bitter and angry and prideful. It's no better answer. We, li- we live in a world that is attempting to disturb our peace because the more I can disturb your peace, the more I can sell you stuff that, that promises to reinstate that peace and you'll, you'll feel better. You'll get some dopamine. You'll feel better. You'll be good. You'll have a little, a little taste of peace for a moment and then you know, move on to the next thing to buy. In our weakness, we have all kinds of questions internally, questions about our own identity. Who am I? Am I enough? Can I hold it together? In relationship, questions about affection. Am I loved? Am I loved? Can I love myself? Can I love others? Am I known enough by others to really be loved by them? Or am I kind of a fraud? Because the truth is I haven't been completely vulnerable and if I can't be fully known, can I be fully loved? These peace-shaking fears are real. To say nothing of the situation outside of us. Again, perhaps it's something going on in the world right now or something going on in your own family or your own work, but is this going to be okay? I know the Lord has promised peace, but I prayed. I prayed a lot about this. And things aren't getting better. Situation is crumbling under my feet. Am I going to be okay? So we need it, peace, because of our weakness. But here's the flip side of the coin, successful people. 
A lot of successful people in this room. I see, I could smell a lot of starch coming off of your shirts. <laughs> Nicely pressed. We don't just need it because of our weakness. We need it because of our confidence. And that's where this Jeremiah 6 text comes in. Because we are prone to wander, Lord, we know it. We are prone to our idols. We are prone to think we have peace precisely because we think things are just good around us. And by golly, we're strong enough to hold it together. To base peace on all sorts of things that ultimately and in the end can be taken from us. Things that are not going to be pulled in a U-Haul behind us when our hearse travels down the road. Jeremiah 6, the prophet confronts the people of Israel. Not to beat them up and tell them how horrible they are, but to simply say to them, you need to turn to the Lord. Because things are going pretty well for you right now, but guess what? A day is coming. Babylon is coming. So don't put your hope and your peace in all these little crutches that prop up your sense of confidence. Things that can be robbed and stolen and turned to dust. Don't say peace peace, where ultimately there is no peace. So not just our weakness, but our confidence as well. We can all admit that there is something deeply wrong and broken in the world. We should try to fix this world for the glory of God and for our joy. That is why you are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and engage in the work of renewal and recreation. In every sphere of life, work, family, politics, everything. I want you to try hard. I want you to make a lot of money. I want you to use it for God's glory. Or if you're broken and you're wounded, I want you to always know that this place is a hospital and not a country club. But it's 2019, folks. It's 2019. Okay. See, I get all fired up and you're like, so wrong. That's why you need to get into the Word of God. It's 2020, people. Do I actually, I actually have that in my notes that it's 2019? That's bad. Okay. <laughs> Whew. All right. Humble pie. There we go. It is the year of our Lord, 2020. And the truth is we have more resources on this planet than we have ever had to solve the problems that have plagued us for all of human history. For free on YouTube, you can get an Ivy League education right now. For free on YouTube. And yet, if human history proves anything, doesn't it prove to us that it's not a matter of us just needing more resources, more money? I, I read this quote from Jim Carrey recently. You guys know who Jim Carrey is, the actor. He said, I wish everyone could be as rich and as famous as me. So now I'm already mad. He said, I wish everyone could be just as rich and as famous as me, Jim Carrey, so that they would all realize that actually it doesn't really make you happy or solve your problems. Of course, I want us to grow our resources and, and provide education for folks around the world and have just and checked and balanced government systems, but we know that all those things in the city of man are not enough to provide for us the peace we most deeply need. We sang about it earlier. 
We can't base our peace on anything the world gives because anything the world gives, the world can just as easily take away. So what do we need? Well, we need nothing less than a a firm foundation for a lasting peace, a true peace, a peace that can't turn to dust and can't be robbed. The Bible uses a word to talk about this. It's a Hebrew word that many of you know, and the word is shalom. Shalom doesn't just mean, I feel peaceful right now. The idea of shalom and the peace of God is precisely that that God is going to make all things peaceful and whole and one and true and beautiful again. That every sad thing will come untrue. That the work of God, the work of shalom in the world, is precisely God's work of overturning and overcoming the brokenness of sadness and sin and death, and replacing it with his justice so that he might have for himself a people and a city who shine brightly where Christ reigns. So shalom is not inner peace. Oh man, I feel so much shalom today. Really shaloming, really hard today. Glad I went to Whole Foods. The shalom is everywhere, you know, (laughs) emanating shalom upon me. No, that's not what shalom means. Nor is shalom, ooh, all my circumstances are great. Because if you've been a Christian for longer than 48 seconds, you, you know that the words of John 16 are true. In this world, you will have trials. You will have tribulation. Now, shalom is God's promise. Shalom is God's promise and his work in the world to keep that promise that peace on earth Peace on earth will come to pass through the finished work of his son. And so therefore, shalom isn't something we well up from inside or feel, nor is it something we control as we get all of our ducks in a row, but it is something that comes to us and is proclaimed over us. So how do we get it? How do we get this peace that the Bible talks about? The word peace is used in the English Standard Version, translation of the Bible, 350 times. And thank you for that meaningless bit of information. Well, it's not meaningless. I'm going to tell you why. Whenever the Bible uses an idea or a concept that frequently, it's a big deal. Words like grace and faith and love are also in this category of being found in the Scriptures over 200, 300 times. This is important to God. It's important that we come in here and receive peace and pass peace. It's it's not arbitrary. Because as we do this, we retell the true story of God. We retell the true story of God in the face of all the things we need and remind us of how needy we are. Creation, fall, Redemption, consummation. God made all things good and there was peace. But peace was lost. Peace was lost when we, as human beings, and all of us, in our first parents, decided that, you know what, we're not going to listen to God's view of peace. We're going to take it upon ourselves to build our own kingdoms of peace. We will be a law unto ourselves and we will be the ones to decide what is good, what is true, what is peace, what is not. So peace isn't, it's not just, it's not a little thing in Scripture. It's a scarlet thread that holds the Bible together from Genesis to Revelation. It's, 
It's God's promise to not only visit you, but, but to visit future generations until all have heard that there is true peace that can be found in Jesus. You can cease striving. You could stop trying to do it on your own. We can stop being controlled by our circumstances and our, 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 our sense of inner peace. And we can look up. We can have our, our heads lifted, especially, especially when we're hurt, especially when it's difficult, especially when we're in times of chaos and see that there is one who has already died to purchase peace for us. The key to how we get peace is Jesus himself. And I want to commend this to us. It's not necessarily believing the right words about Jesus. It is the very person of Jesus and his finished work which is applied to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit as a free gift of sovereign grace. Where Jesus shows up, that's where peace is. So how do I know that there's peace here? I know that there's peace here because Jesus has promised to show up where his people are gathered, where his word is preached, and by the Holy Spirit to be here and dwell among us. In John 16, and we see it in the other gospels as well, Jesus shows up and what does he say? Peace be with you. It literally is. I'm here. Can you imagine the frustration and fear of the disciples in these moments? Can you imagine them in the upper room thinking, everything we just staked our lives on for the last few years is worthless. We thought Jesus was going to be the man. We thought he was going to overthrow the Romans. We thought he was going to you know, come in as the Jewish Messiah and once and for all show everybody that God is king. And he failed. He was crucified. It's over. He's gone. Have you ever been in a moment like that in your own lives? Have you ever felt a total lack of peace, surrounded by fear, surrounded by chaos, when all of your circumstances and your own heart say, this is hopeless. It's right into that moment. It's right into that moment that he shows up and he says, no, that's not your name. No, that's not who you most truly are. No, you are not defined by what you feel, nor the situation you are in. Peace be with you. I am here. This is a gift that Jesus wants us to have. But the only way to grasp the gift is to let go of our striving. To let go of our futile attempts to make peace on our own terms. So I want you to hear this morning, especially if you're new here and for the folks that join us every week who are doubting, struggling, questioning, not believing in Jesus. Thank God you're here. It's so important that we say this out loud in churches that there's no bait and switch here. There's no, oh, it's all about peace. Love Jesus. Oh, now you've got peace. Here's the rule book. It's heavy, so you might want to pull your car up to the front of the church. No, you really are welcomed here. There really is peace here. These doors are truly open wide to anyone who would come in. All are welcome in the house of God to hear about the peace of God the Son. Now, when we come in, does God just leave us where we're at? Of course not. He wants to take us and mold us and 
mold us into the image of Christ. He wants us to, to turn from sin which kills us and turn to Jesus who saves us. He wants to slow, slowly and carefully untie our hearts so that we might know more of his grace and grow in that grace. But there is no bait and switch. There is no, I love you, and now that I've loved you, let me sneak in the law. And the reason that is true, the reason that the peace of God is for Christians in our ongoing need for that peace is precisely because it comes from outside of us and is declared upon us. A finished work, an objective reality, the gift of God that we are here to merely by faith receive. And what I love about this piece, again back to John 14 and 20, is the question of when is it ours? We know we need it. We know that to get it, we come to Christ alone by faith as humble receivers. But when is it ours? Because the problem is, right, if you have a friend that's struggling with feeling down, melancholy, depression, you see that friend a couple weeks later and you're like, hey man, where have you been? Why haven't you been coming to hang out? Well, you know, the fact is when you're, when you're feeling kind of down, the last thing you want to do is go out. When you get to my age, you're just trying to cancel all the plans, okay? <laughs> Stay in bed with popcorn. But when you're, when you're broken, when you're hurt, when you're busted, the last thing you want to do is, is just go out, be with people. So when is this peace ours? It's ours when we need it most. This is why passing the peace is a rhythm of grace. It reminds us that we are not only saved, but we are sustained by the Prince of Peace. Peace for our hard times. Peace for our confusing times. As Paul says to the church in Philippi, peace that even transcends what we can understand and analyze and control. So we receive His peace. And then what? We receive His peace precisely so that we can release His peace. And this is, where, this is where the charge comes in. This is where we, we put the rubber to the road and it becomes practical. Because we're not only saying peace be with you, but also with you. For peace to bloom and flower into its fullness, its full beauty in this place and in the world, it must be passed. I wanted to paraphrase James's letter to the church, right? Some say they have faith, some works. Well, here, here's the deal. They work together. Of course, we know we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. You know, you say I have faith, you say I have works. Well, these both need to go together. Well, you say you have peace, that's great. But peace received isn't peace flourishing until it's peace that is past. Peace is a gift that grows when it is given away. And, you know, one thing that I've heard about our church long before I got here, I'm old now, three and a half years. It's like dog years in the ministry. <laughs> but I've only been here three and a half years. And you know what I heard when I got here? And what I keep hearing and what I want to keep hearing is that this is a welcoming place. We need to fight for that. Everybody's different. Some of you all are crazy extroverts. You are spaz. You take all the energy from everybody. Some of you are introverts and you literally hate passing the peace. 
You're like, okay, God wants to torture me every week. Great, I got to say hi to him. All right, I get it. It can be hard, truly. But, but friends, seriously, family, my brothers and sisters, this, this needs to be a place where we welcome people. Right? That's how we grow in Jesus. I'm not just here for me. I'm not here to be entertained. I'm here to actually practice and exercise and do the work of God here. Because when you come to this place, there's a purpose for you, which is if you're a regular, keep your eyes peeled. Talk to your friends. You know, set up your dinner party for the next couple weeks. Hang out. Plan your lunch. By all means. But let us look around. Let us welcome visitors. Let us fill up this church with people who are not like us. Because if all we have is a church of people just like us, a hospital turns into a morgue pretty quick. Here's the truth of the matter. We share what we love. We share what we love. So if we have received the peace of Christ, I mean, God help us to not take that for granted. Right, here's one version of the world. There's no God, the universe doesn't care, so too bad. You have no peace? Boo-hoo, tiny violin. Here's another version. There's millions of gods. Hopefully you've got the right one. Hopefully you worship them in the right way. And hopefully your works are good enough that they look down and say, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of peace today. Oh, let us not take for granted this this glorious peace that we receive. Let us love Jesus and his peace for us because we share what we love. We were in LA, we had an Uber driver. You guys have heard of Uber before? From Nietzsche, Uber Mensch? No, not that. It's a new cab company. Uber cars, you use your telephone, you do the thing, and a car comes and picks you up. It's, you take your life into your own hands, especially in L.A. And we get into this car, and we're going to dinner. And we get into a conversation with the guy, and you know, always trying to be careful. I'm a talker. But over the years, I've learned to kind of like feel it out. And not, I don't want to get kicked out of the car. Come to find out this guy's from Israel. I said, oh, we were in Israel this last year. Really? What were you doing there? And then I'm like, oh, now I have to say church trip. But who knows, Lord, I trust you. So I tell the guy, I said, we were there and we were doing a tour of the Holy Land on a church trip. And I mean, I thought we were maybe gonna go off the road. This guy exploded with excitement. You're Christians? Me too. I said, my, my, my dad's a Muslim. Uh, my mom is Jewish. I grew up pretty confused. Then I became an atheist and God brought me out to Orange County to become a Christian. <laughs> Super weird. It was a Holy Spirit moment. And within 30 seconds, and I mean, you know, my wife and I, and we're, we're with the, we were with my in-laws as well, and we're all like pretty reserved people. Like, you know, you're kind of in like an Uber, so don't talk and do anything stupid. And within about two minutes, we're all in the car singing worship songs together in Hebrew. We are singing Yeshua HaMashiach at the top of our lungs. We don't even know the words. And this guy's just telling us a story. He, he can't, it's like he couldn't contain talking about how he had been walking in darkness, how he had tried everything, how he had searched the scriptures, how he had, how he had looked at all these different faiths and how he had tried to understand religion. And somewhere in there, he hit a place where he said, you know what? I can't do it. 
can't do it. I, I need God's help. And Jesus showed up and said, peace be with you. We share what we love, and that's why we pass the peace. Passing the peace every week in church makes us. It actually forms the act of making us into a true church. Because it is diverse people acting out the gospel with one another. Diverse people who should really not have a whole lot in common. Unified in Christ. Looking at one another and saying, do you realize this is what you're doing when you pass the peace? You're looking at someone and saying, hey, I don't really know you. I don't know how you feel. But because of Jesus, peace be with you. That is who you are. That is what is most true about you. Nothing else. And they respond in the divine jazz and also with you. As we pass the peace weekly here in this church family, we are actually learning how to be the peacemakers of God in the world. Yesterday, my kids did their first ever ski school up at Santa Fe, Chipmunk Corner, and a hand clap to those guys. They are awesome. I was going to, I'm cheap, so I was going to teach my kids how to ski, and Caitlin is smart. So how about you not lose your salvation and we'll let them go to ski school, okay? And they had a great time, but on the, on the night before ski school, we're talking about it, and they'd never been. So my little Violet, she goes, well, so ski school? I'm already in school. So not wanting to miss an opportunity for a dad joke, I was like, yeah, babe, sorry. I mean, you know, I'm going to be up there skiing on the mountain, but if, you know, if you want to go ski, you, you got to do a whole day in class first. And they, they kind of teach you about skis, and I think they get you in there, and they'll have you waxing some of the adult skis, and you're going to sharpen some edges. And they've got a really great textbook on skiing. There's really no pictures in it, no videos, but, you know, lots of lectures. It's a lot of fun. And her little, her little face is starting to get sad, and I said, no, of course, Violet. If you want to ski, you don't just listen to what it means to ski. If you want to learn to ski, what do you do? You've got to, you've got to practice it. You've got to do it. So if we want to be the justice of God and the peace of God and the shalom of God in Santa Fe, then we need to learn to look at random people awkwardly and declare the most true thing in the universe about them. Peace be with you. And this puts us in the correct posture as a church for what it means to leave this room and do the peace of God in the world. We receive his peace and then we release it. We release it to one another and having done that and being filled with it, we release it to the whole city. The aim of the saved is to be the sent. Again, I want to commend to you that Jesus in John 14, 16, and 20 is dealing with disciples. They're confused as can be. They've just argued about who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They've just told Jesus again that there's no way he can die on the cross. They've just gotten mad at Jesus because he starts to take off his robes and wash their feet, which no respecting rabbi would ever do. That's the work of a servant. And yet he tells them, my peace is with you because you are the ones who are sent. How is Santa Fe going to know what Christians really are? God help them if it's from the news, movies, or Facebook. God help them. Now, Santa Fe is going to know what it means to be little followers of the Lord Jesus Christ as we not only practice the peace of God, 
but go out and do the peace of God in the hard places. We sang about it earlier. The Lord has a plan to beat our swords into plowshares. The Lord has a plan to make all things new, to bring shalom to reign upon the whole earth. And His plan for that is peace be with you and also with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we are the ones who can come with honesty and having been honest, empty-handed. Lord, we're your children, and so you know this. You know that we know that we can't do it on our own, that we can't build castles of peace on sinking sand. We need you to show up in our upper rooms. We need you to show up into the places where we're alone, where we're scared, challenges of identity and affection, situations all around us. Show up, Lord, in our pride where we say peace and there is none. We need you to show up in our lives and to declare over us, from outside of us, a righteousness that we did not earn, that is free, that is yours. Peace be with you. And would you do that in our church so that we are always a welcoming place, so that we are always a place that welcomes and loves our visitors, so that we are always a place with doors wide open, because God, we believe you're powerful enough to take anyone, even the worst of sinners, just like us, and save and redeem their lives. So fill us with your peace that we might pass it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.